Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Indiana Daily Student Baseball Podcast, recording from beautiful Franklin Hall. My name is Stefan Kreisnick, and I'm the golf and baseball beat reporter for the Indiana Daily Student. And I'm working along with Cameron Drummond, the social media editor for the ADS, while he's also working the baseball and football beat. How you doing, Cam? I'm doing good. You, you, you again did a really good job with that <laughs> intro. I'm very proud he of you. He gave me the, quote, keys to the car for the second time in a row. So That's the second better time. Better get used to my beautiful voice. We've allowed Stefan to kind of intro you into the podcast, and he's done a very proud job each time. I'm very <laughs> impressed with the freshman's work ethic so far. <laughs> yeah, you never know. Freshman Aaron Judge had a great rookie season. Okay, I'm having a great freshman year. Wow. All right. That's, <laughs> we're not going to make that comparison. I do not I do not authorize what he just said. We're going we're gonna to back off from that one now. Do you still support the nickname, the best second-best double play duo? It's growing on me. <laughs> We've been apart for the past week. We've been away from you guys with spring break, uh, kind of driving a wedge in between us and Bart Kaufman Field. I was there just yesterday for IU's walk-off victory against Northern Illinois, but we've, been, we've still been trying to give you the best possible updates on IU Baseball's current nine-game homestand, which is eight games of the way through. And so far, the Hoosiers have done pretty well after a bit of a rough start to it. They've gone 6-2, and two, had one game canceled against, I believe, Western Illinois. Yes. Yeah, yeah, because of, I guess, extreme cold temperatures. But especially of late, the Hoosiers, after dropping the first two games of the homestand against Cincinnati and Pacific, got on a six-game winning streak, picking up the victories, two of them against Pacific, one against Western Illinois, and most recently a sweep of the Northern Illinois Huskies, and that's kind of vaulted the Hoosiers a couple places in the national standings. The D1 baseball rankings just came out earlier this Monday. The Hoosiers go from number 14 in the country to number 11 in the country, and so they're up three spots with a six-game win streak, and they're kind of knocking on the door of a top-10 ranking across the country. Yeah, I mean, we this little homestand that they've had, they started off kind of rough. That game against Cincinnati they lost, and they went out and lost the first game of Pacific. Then they beat, the, beat Pacific in the next two games, but they weren't, I mean, we were talking, they weren't looking too good when right. they were playing against Pacific. I mean, yeah, they, it was important that they got the wins, but they weren't looking as good as they were looking earlier in this year. And then they went out against Western Illinois, beat them 11-1, and then swept the Huskies <laughs> and also looked pretty good in that series. So overall, I think they can be happy they, they got wins. And after losing to Cincinnati, Lamonis has said that the most important thing of the homestand was just get wins. And I think the national rankings have recognized that. I think – they scheduled correctly because they went on a little cold stretch against bad teams that they could beat even when, you know, not playing as good as they have been playing. So overall, definitely looking good uh, for IU right now. They play tomorrow against Wright State at 4.05. We're going to put an asterisk next to that because weather <laughs> tomorrow is not going to look like the weather today. So I wouldn't be surprised if the game got moved or canceled. We're and then We're talking snow. Yeah, we're talking possible snow. That's that's the reason the Pacific game got canceled, or the Western Illinois game has been canceled. Right. So keep an eye out for that tomorrow in the year updates. And then after the game tomorrow, they have a weekend series, uh, three-game series at Iowa to open up Big Ten play. So I guess you want to just talk about the Big Ten a little bit and how that's been going this year? Yeah, so kind of the way it's been throughout the whole season is IU's been the only Big Ten team ranked in the top 25 of most polls. To backtrack to the polls for a quick second, IU 11 in the D1 baseball poll. IU 16 in the USA Today Coaches Poll, IU 14 in the Collegiate Baseball Writers Association of America Poll, and number 18 in the Perfect Game Poll. They actually dropped one spot, but they're still 19th in the Baseball America Poll. But they're still the only Big Ten team represented in the top 25 in most national polls. They're the team with the best record so far overall in Big Ten play with a 15-4 and mark. There's been some surprising teams just a little bit below them. Illinois at 11-5, and 
Ohio State 13 and 6, Iowa the reigning Big 10 champion from the tournament last year as you mentioned 11 and 6, Minnesota at 14 and 8. And no one's been particularly awful in the Big 10. This year, we have Michigan State bringing up the rear of the conference with a 6-12 and record, Michigan 7-11, and and then a couple teams just one game under 500, like Maryland and Northwestern. So you can see the kind of shift in between the better teams, the class of the conference, the Indianas, the Iowas, the Ohio States, going down to the Michigan schools, which perennially have kind of struggled in the Big Ten and stuff. Michigan has had a nice run of late, but not quite so far in non-conference play this year. But again, that stuff really doesn't matter a whole lot just because Big Ten play hasn't started yet, and in terms of seeding for the conference tournament and trying to get a berth into the NCAA tournament, host a regional, host a super regional. It really just comes down to those conference games. Yeah, and you can see in the standings <laughs> and in the polls uh, all season, even from the preseason rankings, that it's kind of Indiana against the field at this point, right. and that's how it's played out to, at this to this point in the season. So IU, I think it's pretty safe to say that they'll at least finish in the top three. I'd, be, I'd personally be pretty surprised if they didn't end up on top of the conference, but – you see there through, let's see, through the second spot. So Illinois is in second, Ohio State's in third, and Iowa's in fourth right now. Minnesota's in fifth, and Minnesota had decent expectations heading into the year, too. And a lot of these teams had some similar opponents to IU, more than most Coastal Carolina, figuring a lot of the teams like Indiana, Illinois, they're not able to play as many home games as they would like to start mm-hmm. the season to start non-conference play just because of how cold it is and how the weather doesn't lend itself to playing outdoor baseball. So you go down to Coastal Carolina, play a couple games as part of a tournament or as part of a series against the Chanticleers. Um, We saw IU go down there and fare pretty well their first tournament of the season. You had Illinois go down there, split a pair of games with the Chanticleers. Some other teams that played uh, Coastal Carolina include, uh, I mentioned Indiana with the lone victory they had. You had, let me look real quick here. You had Maryland play them and win their only game against Coastal Carolina. You had, uh, let me see if anyone else played them. I don't think anyone else may have played them. But you at least get a, a, the, a couple teams with similar opponents so far. So you had Ohio State play them and split a pair of games against Coastal Carolina. So those are really the only types of games I guess you can really make a strong comparison between the two teams just because so many things are different in non-conference play as well, especially early in the season. You're still trying to figure out your starting lineup, your rotation, your bullpen even. So there's not a whole lot you can read into those games, but there are a couple – similar opponents, Coastal Carolina being the main one for three or four Big Ten teams so far this season. Yeah, and based off of the eye test, it seems that Indiana's been the team that has that has had the toughest uh, non-conference <coughs> schedule. For sure, for but sure. But granted, I mean, the top, 16, top six teams in the Big Ten each have a winning percentage above 600. So, I mean, these are, these are good teams. These are above 500 teams that are playing some decent baseball. Uh, Ohio State's on a five-game winning streak. Iowa... Um, Who's going to be IU's first Big Ten opponent is on a three-game winning streak. So, I mean, it's a it's Big Ten. You know, these are d- good teams. These are big schools with, you know, respectable. They're respectable opponents, and you can't just expect IU's going to go in and sweep them every time they play. So, it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out. And kind of going off of what I mentioned earlier, yeah, we expect Indiana to be at the top, but looking at the two through six, it's going to be a tight race. It's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out through the course of the year. Yeah, no, especially when you look at what Iowa has done leading into this Big Ten series. They had a sweep of Evansville, another local Indiana school, this past weekend. They'll play two games against St. Louis, so SLU, and then something called Loris, which I think is a university. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, they'll play those two games, and then they'll play in the three-game series against Indiana and Iowa City. 
Uh, the thing that stands out to me, just looking at the Big Ten standings top to bottom, is just what's happened to Purdue. They started the season 9-3. and three. There's kind of a trio of teams with good starts to non-conference play in the state of Indiana, being Indiana, Butler, and Purdue. But of late, Purdue has really hit the skids. They've lost six in a row. That's definitely not the kind of momentum you want to be taking into Big Ten play. Or I mean, you don't have a six-game losing streak at any point in the season, let alone right before you start Big Ten play. They've lost games to Tulane, Nickel State, Southeastern Louisiana, lost a, uh, a trio of games to St. Louis, and a lot of game against Ball State, and then another series before they even start Big Ten play. So they're going to start on Big Ten play later than most teams. But they've really kind of regressed in the past weeks or so, and that's just a disappointment to them because Purdue – have really gotten off to one of the best starts they had they ha- they have had in West Lafayette in quite some time. Yeah, and now um, before IU heads <laughs> to Big Ten play over the weekend, they will play Wright State tomorrow. They will. You can read my preview on Wright State up on idsnews.com. You can. And let's see. So Wright State comes in. They're eleven and seven. They're two and one in their conference. Five and one at home. Five and six away. Um, their best opponent that they played was Louisiana. The Raging Cages, a potential top 10 mascot in all of NCAA. So they played three games against them. They won two out of three. So, you know, and they beat Cincinnati, who Cincinnati beat IU. So by the transitive property. Well, we don't we don't follow the transitive property here at, at the IDS baseball podcast. The transitive property applies to NCAA college football, and that's about it. Yeah. Well, you can, looking at that, you can see that Wright State's not going to be an easy game for IU by no means. I mean, you could expect that to be a pretty decent game. <coughs> IU's, you know, can't just expect to go out there and win an 18 nothing game like they get a, did against um, Northern Illinois. So We also don't expect IU to use any of its top three starting pitchers for yeah. Tuesday's game yeah. because you're going to have Polly Milton the Friday night game, the Friday, oh, sorry, uh, Jonathan Steve the Friday night guy uh, getting ready, prepared for Friday night against Iowa, Polly Milton the Saturday guy against Iowa. We had Chris Limonis say after Sunday's impressive outing by Cam Beachamp that Cam Beachamp will be the Sunday guy at Iowa as well. So there's your starting rotation for the Iowa series, and you're expecting maybe a guy like Connor Manis or maybe an Andrew Salfrank to pick up the start tomorrow afternoon, Tuesday afternoon, just to not have to use those prized arms that you're going to save for Big Ten play. Yeah, and those uh, the two weekend games against Northern Illinois were both 4-3 games, so they <coughs> they had to use the bullpen in those. So ideally you want Salfrank or Manis, who we, we assume one of them two will be starting, um, Manis had four scoreless innings in his start. His first um, start at IU um, against Western Illinois. He went four innings, didn't give up a run. So I wouldn't be surprised if it was Manis, but like you said, it could be Saul Frank. So, um, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Beachamp has been impressive his last two or three Sunday starts. Yep. So I, he's, Lamona said that he's kind of claimed that role. He, he's earned right that now. right, at least for yeah. now, to, to at start least for, for now. Sunday. So, sure. I mean, with that, now, now I mean, we've been talking all year who's going to be that third starter. Now we're kind of looking who's going to be that fourth starter. Is anyone going to take that role, assuming B-Champ keeps the Sunday role? <coughs> so we're looking at Manis, um, maybe Saul Frank. Um, Tommy Sommer ha- has been pitching. Or yeah. Tim. Tim, Tim Heron? Or Tim, no, Tommy, Tommy Sommer. Tommy Sommer, Tommy Sommer right. yeah. Don't say he's, yes he's, he's pitched pretty well. He made a Sunday start against San Diego, I believe. So there's still Yeah, there's still quite a few names mixing around for that maybe midweek fourth starter kind of role. I mean, there's only a, a handful of guys I'd be really surprised to to have that kind of start. I, I'd be a little surprised to see Brian Hobby start just because I think he's a mm. decent option out of the bullpen and a little more of a long-term bullpen guy if something goes haywire with your intended starter during a Big Ten series, especially being a senior, having a little more poise than maybe throwing in a freshman in that role. I'd be surprised to see Nick Eaton get a start just because we haven't seen him figure into the rotation a ton so far this season. Mm-hmm. But the players you mentioned, you have Manis, Summer, you have all those guys just kind of thrown into the mix there. And 
Chris Linares kind of has the luxury to just maybe pull one or two names out of that hat and designate a midweek start for them each week as the as the season continues to progress. Yeah, and if Beecham can keep pitching like he has, that leaves so much comfort room for Lamonis. I mean, now he's gone from a pitcher-by-committee type thing on Sundays and then Tuesdays or Wednesdays, and now he can kind of sit back and say, hey, there's these are my three guys over the weekend. Now I can worry and see, you know, who's going to come in and take that four-star role, that midweek role, which, I mean, those games could end up being important too down the stretch, and tomorrow's game is by no means going to be a walk, a cakewalk for IU. So it all starts tomorrow. Uh, maybe. Four, maybe. Maybe. Maybe tomorrow. If not, it'll definitely start. It's baseball. It's I'm not I'm not gonna use definitely or for sure or anything with when it comes to baseball cancellations. So they do have four scheduled game this games this week. Right. So that we know. So now let's go back and talk a little bit about this past stretch for IU. The last time we did our podcast was previewing the Cincinnati game, so previewing this home stretch. So yeah. a lot of baseball has been played since we last talked. IU lost those first two games as we have mentioned, and now they are on a six game winning streak. Their second longest streak of the year, seven games they had earlier this year. Yeah, that'd be quite the accomplishment if they if they do play and are able to beat Wright State, just being able to have two seven-game win streaks within the first two months of the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And we had mentioned going into this homestand that, I mean, IU had a chance to go 10-0, and 0, uh, but a 9-1 and 1 and 8-2 and 2 record <laughs> would be respectable and something they could be happy with. Right. And, I mean, they're at least going to go 7-3. and three. If they win, they're going to go 8-2. and two. So... Overall, a pretty good home stretch heading into um, Big Ten play. They're going to have momentum, especially if they extend the win streak. I mean, getting a seven-game winning streak going into conference play, that's got to be something that they're happy about. Um, And just look at the the types of ways they've been winning these games on the home stretch. Let's throw out that Cincinnati 8-3 loss just because that was a bit of an anomaly for the point I'm trying to make. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to throw that out as everyone takes a statistics class. That's the outlier. (laughs) So we'll focus on the other seven games. The pitching, even in the loss to Pacific, the pitching has been really good for IU this this eight this last seven games of the home stretch. You allow two runs to Pacific, one run to Pacific, two runs to Pacific, one run to Western Illinois, zero to Northern Illinois, three runs to Northern Illinois, three runs to Northern Illinois. That's a tremendous ERA combined from strong starters and decent bullpen work at the back end. IU kind of threw the game away in the bullpen the past two games against Northern Illinois, mm-hmm. but they will still kind of rally and come back to win. And Chris Lamonis mentioned after the walk-off victory yesterday how he likes, you know, the 18 to nothing score lines better than maybe the one-run score lines. But he likes the way in the diversity that IU can win baseball games, whether it's by these 11 to one, 18 nothing blowouts, or still being able to kind of grit their teeth and pull out one-one one-run victories. And even in the case of the past two games against Northern Illinois, being able to come from behind in the eighth inning or later to win those games. Yeah, and that's definitely something that's important going into conference play. I mean, if you give yourself a cakewalk of a schedule and you're winning games 18 to nothing all the time, you're not really preparing yourself for, you know, when you get to Big Ten play and there's going to be a game where it's 2-2 headed to the 8th or 3-3 headed to the ninth or something like that. So they've had situations where it's been easy and they can put guys in new roles and, you know, have a lot of pinch hitters go out there and sit your starters like they did against Northern Illinois when it was 18 to nothing. But they've also been able to pull through when, I mean, it seems like they're down and out. In that second game against Northern Illinois, they blew the lead in the they had a, I believe it was a two to one lead going to the eighth inning, and the bullpen I think it was Cal Kruger gave up two runs, and so Northern Illinois had a three two lead, and there's two outs in the bottom of the eighth, and IU comes back and hits back to back home runs. So it just kind of shows that this team can overcome adversity, right? And just because they're you know supposed to win games eighteen nothing doesn't mean that can they can't grind out 
a gritty four to three win like the last two games against Northern Illinois. Yeah, I believe, the, I believe they had five victories so far this season by one run, and that's the hallmark of a good team. If you have a good record in one run games, because not every game is going to be a blowout. Obviously. And granted that you know they beat South Alabama on a right. walk off grand slam, and that's a four run game right. because of a walk off grand slam. So they they've been in a lot of close games, and <coughs> I mean the scheduling. The home scheduling hasn't been the toughest opponents. They had that, obviously, mm-hmm. that tough schedule at the beginning of the season where they were playing on the road in California and Carolina. But overall, I mean, they're showing that they can be there in close games where they can go out and just blow you out. And, I mean, on a team that's 11th in was it D1's rankings. Yep. Yeah, a team that's ranked 11 in any rankings, I mean, you got to be able to grind out wins and – maybe the regular season you're going to be able to get those blowout wins but when it comes to postseason plays and postseason play and you're te- playing against tough teams there's going to be tough gritty games that you have to grind out at the end where your bullpen has to come in and take over and when your bullpen can't do that you got to have your offense ready in the seventh eighth and ninth inning to come up big and that's exactly what they've gotten so and, far and let's look at those two guys who have given iu their two walk-off victories so far this season you get logan kalitha a juco transfer had just kind of had just kind of burst onto the scene the first few games of the season before he hits that walk-off Grand Slam against South Alabama. That really gets his name out, and he's continued to be a strong contributor to the IU lineup in the leadoff spot, getting hit by pitches, you know, getting on base, whichever way he can. He's got a really good um, on-base percentage. And then you look just on Sunday for Scotty Bradley, a sophomore infielder who took a red shirt last season after being held out, after having, you know, an oblique injury, some discs in his back that weren't properly aligned. But then he comes back and hasn't played a ton this season, but comes up in his first per- plate appearance of the game, hits a single to right field to win the game. So you're not even relying upon your real bedrocks of the offense, your Luke Millers, your Matt Lloyds. You're getting production from maybe players that Chris Moss wouldn't have expected to get that kind of clutch hitting from so far this season. But yet those two guys, Kalitha and Bradley, are just a handful of the guys who have come through with clutch hitting for IU most recently. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll make a quick note about Kalitha. I mean... <laughs> I've made it pretty noted that I think Kalitha is outstanding, and I'm a big Logan Kalitha fan, so I'll put that out there. I mean, you guys know my opinion on how Logan Kalitha has done this year. But I want to talk about Scotty Bradley. I mean, he came in this season expected to be the consistent starter at first base, and Elijah Dunham kind of took that role from him. I mean, the freshman came in and just played outstanding and took the starting role. I want to say took the starting role because it's kind of still been bouncing between him and Bradley Lloyd's played some first base this year, kind of moving guys around just to get guys in different situations. But Bradley kind of expected that role. He didn't get it. Um, but then he comes up to pinch it, and, you know, he hits a big uh, walk-off single for them. So, you know, Bradley might not be happy with how the season's gone considering he was expected to be a consistent starter. But, I mean, overall, he's still coming in. He's still getting big hits. And you got a guy like Bradley, you know, to come off the bench for you, that's big for you. It kind of shows how good their depth is. You know, we've seen uh, even Wyatt Cross, who's the backup catcher. I mean, Wyatt Cross is – Ryan Feynman has that starting catcher role locked down. There's really no debate there. But, I mean, Cross is coming in. He's only got a 200 average, but I'm trying to line this up here. He's got three RBIs this year, and he started five games. He's played in six of them. So, I, <laughs> I he's got great depth, and it showed, you know – in- You want to talk about depth. How about Elijah Dunham? A guy who's coming as a freshman – that's taken away some minutes, or not minutes, some innings, I should say, <laughs> from Matt Lloyd at first base. But they've been deserved. Made 12 starts, 17 total appearances this season, hitting at a 300 clip, 12 hits, five doubles, one of the most on the team. Mm-hmm. Got a slugging percentage of 425 on base percentage of 400. So you have these guys coming in and making an immediate impact in terms of whether you're a freshman, a JUCO transfer, or a guy who just didn't get 
a ton of chances last game or last season, I should say. Yeah, and I mean, you mentioned that Elijah Dunham comes in and he takes takes that role, but now you got Scotty Bradley off the bench. I mean, these are two guys that could easily be playing and batting top three on most teams, and you got them coming off the bench for you, you know, in pinch hitting roles. So that just makes it so good in, in situations where you're trying to get that righty lefty matchup where you can just bring in a lefty and be like, hey, let's, you want a lefty off the bench? How about Scotty Bradley? You know, right. You're just crazy to look at that, crazy how deep the team is. And for all that, the, the praise and the, the preseason expectations that were put on guys like Luke Miller and Matt Lloyd to have to carry the IU offense, they're, they're by no means failing. Miller hitting 286, Lloyd hitting 278 after they both had some kind of slow starts to start the mm-hmm. season. But Matt Gorski coming in and still with 18 starts this season out there, most of them coming in left field, made some great defensive plays so far this season, has had a couple tremendous diving catches, and also hitting a 375 average, still leads the team with 24 hits, is one of only three players on the team to have a triple. No no home runs yet for him, but still slugging percentage of 484, on-base percentage of just under 400, and still has got that perfect 1,000 fielding percentage out there in left field. He's been the real surprise of the season so far for me. Yeah, I mean, Gorski has been playing well all year. I mean, most of the season he's been batting 7th, 8th, or ninth. Um, And then when this offense kind of started struggling here in the homestand, he was moved up to 4th, 5th, or 6th in the lineup. So Labonis <laughs> kind of was moving him up, trying to get some – something going on offense and i mean it worked their offense has stepped it up yeah and that was during, that, that was during the series. period kind of transitioning from the san diego series mm-hmm. to the start of the home stretch where you had those losses to cincinnati and pacific and even the, those first couple wins against pacific yeah. when the iu offense was still kind of sputtering and they were still winning close games just like they have been against northern illinois but they weren't winning it with good offensive performances if that makes sense they were getting runs from RBI ground outs and productive outs rather than yeah. actually putting 8, 9, 10, 11 hits on the board. And that's been the biggest thing that's changed from the start of this homestand to where we are now is just the fact that IU's offense may have had a couple explosions of runs with the 11-run and 18-run outputs, and they've still only had some games where they've scored three, four, five runs, but they've also been more, they've been better on offense. They've been doing more with their, their plate appearances. Yeah, and I mean they're getting good at best. They're getting long at best. They're not just going out there swinging at the first pitch and right. hoping, you know, hoping to get a base knock or something. This, this offense is definitely, I mean, they turned it around quick. It's you could see sometimes when in baseball when an offense goes on a slump, it's hard to turn it around. And I mean, they, I mean, it was only really a four game <laughs> stretch where they struggled and they turned around with an eleven run performance. Granted, right. Western Illinois isn't the best team. Really, you, you want to go on a limb and say that? You want to no. go, go out on the furthest branch over the Wabash River and say? That Western Illinois is not a good team. I respect Western Illinois because most of their players are probably able to strike me out, and I probably can't <laughs> get a hit of a, against most of their pitchers. We'll, we'll see when the IDS softball team comes out how well how well a hitter. Yes, yeah, so if you guys want to see real athleticism, come to uh, the fields behind Foster <laughs> Monday yeah. nights at ten fifteen. It's, it's right if you're coming if you're driving northbound, you okay. got You have to pass <laughs> softball field to get to Bart Kaufman Stadium. Okay, so I mean it's let's, worth the shot. Let's let's end that right now. <laughs> Looking, look, looking at Iron offense real quick, the one player I still I still see kind of struggling a bit is just Jeremy Houston. He's the only player on the team hitting below 200 average, and he still played 19 for 19. And he's had a couple mess-ups in the field as well at shortstop. Mm-hmm. Mm, had some poor fielding plays and also some poor judgment plays, maybe being a little too lackadaisical with the ball, trying to get over the first base. Cost IU a game as part of this homestand. I believe it was the first game against Pacific. Mm-hmm. But you hope that he can kind of overcome that. We mentioned that last year he had a hamstring injury that – really slowed him down for large portions of the season. So you hope that he's still getting readjusted to the swing of things, but he's just the one how you play that really kind of needs to pick things up on offense, hitting out of that nine hole. Yeah, I mean, he's hitting from the nine hole. He's 
I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to tell with the with a baseball player whether his batting is affecting him on the field, is affecting the mindset. You certainly hope it's not. You hope that it's two un um uncorrelated events that are just going on. Um, you want him to definitely get better on defense. He's your shortstop. You know, five, I mean, he's made five. He has a nine four three uh, fielding percentage, which like passes the eye test. But he's made five errors in pretty big <coughs> situations. So you definitely want him to clean up on defense, and you hope that the hitting comes around. I mean. He is your nine guy, but you say passes the eye test. I mean, five errors for a shortstop is yeah. still not ideal. You have Luke Miller with eight errors as well. So those two guys on the defensive end have just been the biggest spots where he needs to needs to clean things up a little. Yeah, bit. you wanna you wanna be able to clean up your defense, especially you know your shortstop and in the hot corner there with third base. I mean, they're gonna be having to make big plays down the stretch. And then the the only thing that I guess is a bummer. We mentioned all that depth that they have, but if you wanna <laughs> try giving someone else a a chance to bat in Houston's spot, you almost can't because he's your go-to shortstop. Right. You can try another guy at shortstop, but, I mean, shortstop's probably the hardest position on the diamond to just, you know, you can't just, I mean, who Cade, Cade Bunnell has played a lot of second base. Yeah. You can't just throw him out at shortstop and expect him to do what Jeremy Houston does. So, yeah, he's made five errors, but he's still the most trustworthy guy to throw out at shortstop. So you definitely want his offense and his defense to come around because – He's going to get opportunities. Right. Lamonis respects him, and you know, you're know you going to respect your shortstop because you're letting him play shortstop. And you, and you don't want to mess with his head or take him out of a game mm, early yeah. in the season and you know maybe take away his starting spot for a little bit. And that can be a motivational tool at some points, but also you don't want to mess with his you know psychology or anything like that. Yeah, and I mean, Houston's only a, fr- or only a sophomore, but he kind of seems like he feels like he's one of the veterans on the team. He kind of has taken a veteran role. That's right, because you, I mean, you always see him out there. He's, yeah. I think the, the, the graphic on the new uh, – First of all, we haven't said this yet. The video board at Bart Kaufman Field. Yeah, we have to mention video that board. That thing is nice. Stefan's <laughs> only seen it once. I've seen it a, a little bit more. I haven't frequently. seen it in action. I've only seen oh, it turned right. off. So, yeah, Stefan's only game was the Cincinnati game when it was just there but not in action. I've been to, I believe, four games now with the video board working. That thing is sweet. Crystal clear graphics. Got some good interactive things for the fans. Is there? Is there a remember against Cincinnati? It seemed like one of the guys had hit it during batting practice. Yeah. Is there a dent on it or like a mark? You can't see it if can't it is there. It? They may have put up some little protective netting they in front, which probably would be a smart idea with yeah. how far <laughs> some of those balls can go into left field. Yeah, especially but when it gets warmer. That video board looks super nice. Got the little old school kind of just standard scoreboard below it. But mm-hmm. what I was going with that is a flash on that scoreboard at one of Jeremy Houston's at bats yesterday. That this is his sixty third start or Sunday was his 63rd start at shortstop for the Hoosiers. And for a sophomore to already have 63 yeah. starts in his college career just speaks to how much he's trusted, how much IU needed a shortstop coming in to Houston's freshman season in 2017, but also how he's earned the trust of the coaching staff. And even though he has five errors so far this season, they're not going to replace him in the shortstop position anytime soon. Yeah, and I mean, with Big Ten play coming up, you want to have you want to have a guy like him out there leading the team because there's going to be games where it's tough and there's going to be big games where you got to power through. And having a guy like Houston there to kind of talk to the younger guys like Dunham or talk to, you know, other freshmen on the team to kind of get them confident again, it, it's it's right. a big deal. And you, you like having that. Even, you know, when a guy like that is struggling, you're going to give him a chance to fix it because it's the intangibles that he brings to the team at times. And I think that can be important. I think that's why Lamonis has stuck with him thus far. And I just want to note before we transition to the next thing, um, Justin Walker hit his first that's right. home run the other day, and it was a grand slam. His first so, couple hits as well. Yeah, so I think He's that's that's pretty noteworthy. A fellow freshman like myself, gotta <laughs> give him a shout out. So that was it. That was that was the, that was the hook. I I just wanted you know. Okay, okay. Why not? That's fine. Why not? That's Come on. fine. Come on, Cam. Some of us here are juniors by credit hours, so we look down upon the freshmen. Yeah, yeah, whatever. 
I don't see I don't see you going out there and getting grand slams. Looking down on the freshmen. We'll see when when softball season starts, intramural softball, we'll see who has more home runs by the end. I have not swung a bat. I never played organized like little league or T ball or softball or any of that stuff as a kid. I think I went out and swung the bat with my friends once. You call yourself a baseball expert, like in a sandlot kind of fashion. I have so been this softball season is going to be disastrous. I have been umpiring and coaching little league since middle school. Well, congrats, Jerry West. Proud of you. <laughs> so now that you guys have heard a little bit about us and probably don't care, we're going to transition into our four six three double play segment, brought to you by. Nobody. Fletch by IDSnews.com. <laughs> so we're going to start at 463. We got a ground ball to the second baseman. Four takeaways from this past homestand. Um, my takeaway has been good scheduling by IU. Mm. You could not have had a better time to play against poor teams. Yeah, no, because that's true. Because when they were struggling against Pacific and then going into Western Illinois, Northern Illinois, kind of thankful that they were playing against teams like Pacific and Northern Illinois and oh, Western sure. Illinois because – if they had played like they, if they, the way they played against Pacific, if you played like that against Iowa or Illinois or something, you're probably going to lose at least two of those games. So overall, good <coughs> scheduling. That's my takeaway is uh, Lamonis and the crew, good job scheduling this year. And they had the tough opponents earlier when they were playing well. So right. good scheduling to this point. All right. So I'll go with Logan Kalitha is the Iron Man. He leads the Big Ten Conference with 12 hit by pitches so far this season. None of them seem to affect him in any way. He just kind of. You know, shakes it off for a little bit, marches down to first base. He's tied for the lead in terms of bases on balls for the IU team with Logan Sowers. Each of them have had 12 bases on balls. Logan Sowers has only been hit by a pitch once, and he's drawn the other 11 via walks. All 12 of Logan Kalisa's bases on balls have come <laughs> via hit by pitch. That That's something. It's the NCAA versus Logan Kalisa. <laughs> Episode 13 coming soon, maybe. Um, so then my next takeaway is... Cameron Beachamp in the third starting pitcher role. Yeah. It seems like he's taking that role for now. It can obviously fluctuate, but Lamonis can be confident and be happy with what he's seen from Beachamp recently. In the most recent game, he had six innings. Did he give up a run? No, six scoreless no, innings. Six scoreless innings. Yes, so, and, you know, Lamonis had mentioned, and what I had kind of had as my hot take earlier this year was that they would try to do a pitcher by committee thing where they have a starter go out, do four innings, and then kind of have the bullpen take over, but, which is what they did with Beachamp in his first Sunday start. But then yesterday he goes out and throws six innings, which is, I mean, which is more than Paulie Milto gave them on Saturday. He gave, I think he gave five and two thirds. So overall, I mean, Beachamp went out there and played like a starter. He didn't come in there to pitch four innings. He came in there to go the distance if he could have. And I mean, he gave six innings. But overall, that third starter role seems to have been claimed for now. So Lamonis can be happy with that. That's one of my takeaways. Yeah, my final take will just be the consistency overall of IU starting pitching. This past homestand has been an ideal time. I threw out the numbers of runs scored by IU's opposition so far this homestand before the Wright State game. But just looking at this past weekend specifically, you had quality six-inning, either one-run or no-run outings from Stever, Milto, and Beachamp. By far the best uh, kind of three-man rotation segment that IU has shown so far this season. Yeah, so now we're going to go ahead and flip it to the shortstop for six <laughs> players that we felt were most important. Um, I guess not in the series. We're going to get your what was the homestand then. Cam, you just hit your head on the mic. Yeah, we're fine. Cam, yeah, yeah. That we're sound fine. you heard was Cam hitting his head on the mic. We're fine. Uh, so I guess so far in the homestand is what we'll talk about. Um, everything from Cincinnati up until this last game against Northern Illinois. So my six play, or I'll do my three. You can do your three after that. Um, my head hurts. Now we got to get a concussion test in the podcast. Concussion studio. protocol. <laughs> 
Um, I, I mean, I just mentioned it, but I got to throw him out there again. Cam Beachamp is definitely one of the most important players um, here in the homestand. He started that game against Pacific, started against Northern Illinois, picked up two Sunday wins for IU. Um, my next guy is noted region rat Connor Manis, who got uh, four shutout innings on Wednesday against Western Illinois. And it was an 11-1 game, so, I mean, it wasn't the toughest competition for him, but in a, in a situation where they're looking for that fourth starter now, that midweek starter, um, Connor Manis definitely presented himself as someone that could take that. Um, and, so, I mean, so far from his one start, has seemed like he's earned that. We'll see who Ramonis decides to go with tomorrow, if he wants to give Solfring another chance, who has proven himself last season. So uh, I'll give Connor Manis one of my ribbons for the week. For the Ribbon, Ribbons. Is ribbons. That's, it's like yeah. the, the old uh, – ESPN College Football Late Night Show with uh, Mark May and Lou Holtz, where they give out helmet stickers. Yeah, we well, yeah we'll give out we'll give out helmet stickers. helmet stickers. Yeah, baseball helmet stickers. <laughs> and then my third player is uh, Luke Miller. He had a few <coughs> uh, multi-hit games, and he was the first. He was the first of the back-to-back home runs in that um, second game against Northern Illinois. So he's I mean he's been the power guy for the team. He leads the team with seven home runs now. Yep. He's got 22 hits this season. He's got yep. 17 RBIs. But he's. We had mentioned that he was the king of the RBI ground out earlier this year. He was. That's how a lot of still, his RBI, still still is still frankly. is. Yeah, we'll still we'll still give it to him. But his average is up to two eighty six now. So he's he's getting that batting average up there. Like because of what I mentioned, he's getting multi hit games. So I will give him a helmet sticker as well. Those are my three: Beecham, Manis, and Luke Miller. All right. So I'll go with Scotty Bradley just because of. I mean, you hit a walk off hit in any mm-hmm. sense of the fashion, then you're going to be one of the most remembered players from a weekend series. And Scotty Bradley did that in his first plate appearance, one of his few plate appearances this season. He's only been up to bat 21 times, only has six hits, but he definitely made it count. And, uh, I mean, yeah, you, you win a game for your team, especially to complete a series sweep and give them a six-game winning streak. Yeah. That's more than enough to, to earn yourself a plot, and especially because of the injuries he had to deal with last season, taking the red shirt and be able to come back. He mentioned how he fell in love with the game of baseball again last season, just kind of being on the bench watching guys like Tony Butler, who's a good, you know, close friend of his, go out there and play and how he wished he could have been out there with Tony playing games last season, but he's taken that and channeled it into a positive energy so far this season. So Scotty Bradley would be one of my guys. Um Polly Milto just continues to be so consistent and dominant on the so mound. Good. Polly Milto is so good. What's kinda of funny is that of the three starts against Northern Illinois, Stever, Milto, and B Champ. Milto was the only guy who allowed a run. So by comparison, allowing one run in 5.2 innings pitched was the worst start of the weekend for IU, which That's is kind of embarrassing. That is that is about. awful. I I think that they should bench Milto simply because he gave up a run. That is embarrassing. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he saw. I mean, he's got three one record this season, 1.95 ERA. All five, of course, he's a starter, so all five of his appearances have come from starting, leads the team with 32.1 innings pitched. I mean, he's just so gosh darn consistent. I mean, that's that's so helpful. I mean, having having a guy like that on Saturday to just go out there and, you know, you, you could trust him in huge situations. He's, I mean, a, he's a man, too. You, you see him in person. Yeah, that's, he he's a, a big guy. That's a big man. guy. I'm, all, I'm, I'm a high schooler still compared I'm to him. I'm scared of him. I'm a high schooler he's compared to Pauly Milton. I mean, I know I'm fresh out of high school, but I'm still a high schooler. You, I mean, you are fresh out of high school. You've been here like two seconds, I think. Two. Two semesters. Two almost, semesters. Almost Whoa, two okay. semesters. Yeah, Cam, so, Cam thinks he's better than me. I, I do. Frankly, I do. But it's. But fine. let's be. Now, Whoa. see, now Whoa. I'm going to call him out. I'm okay. going to call him out. I just want to, as it's a freshman, enough. as a freshman, I have led IU baseball to an 8 0 record okay. in games I have covered, you know solo covered. The games we have, he has covered, 
They are seven and three. So I, eight I and zero with me. I apologize. Eight and zero with me. Seven and three with him. And then he took. I I decided to risk it. The game against Cincinnati. I went with him. So there were both of us were there, and they lost it. So. Push, it's not on me. Push comes to shove tomorrow <laughs> if they do play Wright State Tuesday at four because we'll both be there, right? Yeah, we'll both be there. So if we'll if they play Wright State tomorrow, we'll both be there. And, oh, man, Cam, <laughs> come on. You know we want a good baseball team at IU. We want I, a- I might as well give you the third little helmet <laughs> sticker then. All right, so I got Scotty Bradley. I got Polly Milto. God, we were doing this segment. Yeah, you know, Scotty Bradley, Polly Milto. And the last one, I'll give it to Logan Kalitha, <coughs> as I mentioned earlier. 12 hit by pitches, 12 bases on balls. He just is so consistent. 19 games played, 19 starts. He is has solidified that leadoff position for IU. That's a place that Chris Limonis didn't really know who was going to come in there, if it was going to work with Kalitha there, coming in as the JUCO transfer from Johnny Logan College in Illinois. But he has just been with it from day one, and there's never been the thought of having to experiment. Even when IU's offense was kind of hitting the skids a little bit, there was never the thought of changing things up at the top of the order just because Kalitha was so consistent. I mean, hitting 319 in his first year of Big Ten baseball, second on the team with 22 <laughs> hits, slugging percentage of 5, 580, still leads the team in on-base percentage with 495. He has just been a gem to watch so far this season. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned that when we had talked to Limonis, um, he had he met with the media <laughs> before they went to their first um, the first series of the entire season. Yeah, before they went to South Carolina. Yeah, we had asked who the starting or who the leadoff batter would be, and he said, "Well, it looks like it's going to be Kalitha right now." So it kind of seemed like that would fluctuate, but I mean, he's just taking control of it. And he's it's he's made it his own and taking I, the bull by the horns. So yeah, I don't really think that there's been any thought of changing that leadoff guy. No. So. That was the six. In case you forgot, we were doing the four six three. We we flipped it. We got the guy at second. We're doing a little better than we did the first time. And now we're gonna flip it to first for three um, important plays, key plays from this homestand so far. And I'll start with the first inning against Western Illinois. Manis had given up a leadoff double. They got the next guy was able to advance the run to third. So that guy on third and one out. And a big thing this year for IU has been. They're starting pitchers just going out, especially in the home games, and just giving up a run right away in the first and kind of giving the other team momentum. So there was a guy on third with one out, and uh, Western Illinois had a shallow fly ball. I don't know if, if I was the third base coach, I don't know if I would have sent the runner, but Western Illinois decided to send a runner, and Gorski gunned him out at home. And IU got out of the first inning without giving up a run. That definitely gave Mana some confidence. And it's just, I feel like at this season, at this season it's been so huge. When IU's starting pitcher doesn't give up a run in the first, it's really been important down the stretch, and they probably, I mean, I don't have a stat in front of me, but they've probably won most of those games where they haven't given up a run in the first just because of how good the bullpen's been this year. So <laughs> it's it's important that they're able to go out there and not give the other team momentum because when you're playing against a team like Western Illinois, if they go out there and they're scoring first, now they know they have a shot, and it makes the game so much tougher for them. So that play Gorski did, had to gun out the runner at home, um, one of the key plays from this homestand so far. Right, I'm going to look to coming in to right, – this actually be a low point, which is it's going to be yesterday's game in the top of the eighth inning when Northern Illinois comes back and scores three runs off Cade Crisco to tie the game at 3-3. IU had been dominating, 3 nothing lead. All of a sudden, double-double-triple is what how it goes for Northern Illinois, and they tie the game up at 3-3. Mm-hmm. And then IU, instead of burying their head in the sand, comes back out, isn't able to do anything in the bottom of the eighth. But, of course, they get a couple runs on the bottom of the ninth before Bradley's able to hit that game-winning RBI single. So that's just the moment where IU, again, showed its grittiness, its resiliency, and just what kind of a baseball team it is. This isn't a team that's going to go quietly into the night, and we saw that the game before as well. 
So just being able to come back from allowing three runs for the game to get tied in the eighth inning is just an impressive feat on its own. Yeah, and it was definitely big that they also um, didn't come out and give up a run there. And <coughs> was, I'm looking here, was it was it Matt Lloyd that pitched the ninth for Yeah, so, yeah, so Cade Crisco allows double-double-triple, doesn't get an out in the eighth inning. Matt Lloyd comes in, does a very good job, gets two quick outs with the score 3-2, ends up allowing a single to tie the game 3-3, but in, in any case does a very effective job of just keeping it at three runs for the Huskies, mm-hmm. comes out, throws straight gas in the ninth inning, gets NIU down without issue to set up the IU comeback and walk off in the bottom of the ninth. So and Especially because Matt Lloyd had been playing in the field all game to make the transition from first base to the pitching mound. And Chris Lamona said they had them loose. Yeah, they had him loose in the bullpen, got him ready. But just his versatility cannot be understated, being able to go from a presence in the field and at the plate to immediately flipping the switch and coming in a closing or shutdown pitcher type role. Yeah, and I, that's definitely noteworthy. Is when when you get you know Northern Illinois took all the momentum, scoring three runs in the eighth to tie it, and you don't go out and score in the eighth. Now they got all momentum, so to go out there and shut them down in the ninth is kind of important when you look at it down the stretch. And then the final play that I felt was. Important. Uh, you could go with the back-to-back, but I'm going to go with the second game against Pacific. It was IU was on a two-game skid. They lost to Cincinnati. They lost the first game to Pacific. And the second game against Pacific, I don't remember the exact number, but IU hit into a crazy amount of double plays. And they just it seemed like they would get a runner on, they get a leadoff guy on, and boom, double play, and next thing you know, the inning's over. Um, so it's either the 7th or the 8th inning. Um, Lloyd had a double, double easy double play, but Kalitha got on with no outs, and Lloyd seemingly just hit an easy double play ball to the Pacific second baseman, and he boshed it, didn't convert to double play as they had done all year, um, and then IU was ultimately able to score the winning run that inning. So that double play ball that was messed up by Pacific was one of the big plays for IU this week because, I mean, coming in on a two-game skid, when, I mean, you're just struggling, you need something like that to just go your way. It seems like... When you're struggling, like IU was those, I mean, those two games that they struggled, um, nothing was going yeah, their way. I think like IU was like hitting the skids for like a month or something. Yeah, it was just two games. <laughs> it was just they didn't two play games. Really well, it was and two games. Maybe they didn't play really well for the two games after that, but they still got the dubs. Yeah, they I mean, got this the team dubs. is still 15 and four, seemingly the class of the Big Ten. We'll find that out for real this coming weekend against Iowa. Stefan, just for closing thoughts here. What I mean, right state's right state. Let's just kind of brush that aside for yeah. a second. Iowa, I'm thinking two or three. What yeah, do you think? Yeah, I. You can go. They're looking to win the series. I could, I could see them getting two or three. Yeah, for sure. I mean, with with Stephen Mil- Milto, it's almost hard to believe that they don't win at least one. And then you got Beecham pitching well. I, with those three guys going out there, I, I'd be confident if IU could win two or three. But um, our time here is coming to a wrap, so uh, we'll send it off. Uh, once again, thank you all for listening. Make sure to stay tuned with us on Twitter. Um, follow IDS Sports on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter. IDS underscore. IDS underscore sports, sorry. And make sure to check out IDSnews.com to check out that preview on Wright State and more things to come throughout the season. Um, from Cameron Drummond and myself, Stefan Kleisching, thank you for listening. <laughs>